Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Abraham Fisher, and this week we start a new book of the Torah, the second book of the Torah, uh, Shemot. And so we begin with the first parasha in the book of Shemot, which is uh, Parashat Shemot. And this uh Pasha and the Sefer uh, begins. Um, the very first section of the Pasha is the process leading to the uh, beginning of Egyptian subjugation. Uh, we are told about how the children of Israel uh, multiply in Egypt, starting with 70 souls, the 70 people in the family of uh, Yaakov. And eventually uh, becoming a very, very great multitude. The new king who uh, arises in Egypt uh, is uh, distressed about the fact that the uh, Hebrews, the Bnei Israel, the Israelites, uh, are multiplying so much, and there's still a different, uh, different nation. And he's worried about them uh, turning on the Egyptians in case of war. And so he increases labor uh, upon them, giving them uh, a lot of work to do uh, so, that, uh, so that perhaps they'll be so uh, tired uh, that they will, uh, they will stop having so many children. Uh, but that doesn't seem to work. And so he uh, then proceeds to uh, a process a plan to kill the males. He addresses the midwives and tells them to uh, kill any male babies that are born, uh, but uh, they disobey and uh, they are protected by Hashem. And then uh, when that doesn't work, Paro gives the order that all males are to be thrown into the Nile. But we see step by step uh, how life for the Israelites, for Bnei Israel. Uh, is becoming increasingly difficult. Uh, against this backdrop, the second pa part of the parasha uh, deals with the birth and the early life of Moshe. Uh, we're told about how Moshe is born uh, from the tribe of Levi. Um, it is important to point out that uh, there are no names here. Uh, that are given explicitly in uh, the Torah. The only names that we've had so far are the names of the midwives, Shifran Pua. But uh, even Moshe's parents at this point are not uh, named. We find out later on that his father's name is Amram and his mother's name is Yocheved. But at this point, they are just a man from Levi and uh, the daughter of, of Levi. Uh, and so Moshe is born, and uh, this is against the backdrop of this decree to have all male babies uh, thrown into the Nile. Uh, and so after uh, hiding him for three months, uh, his mother places him in a basket that she's made watertight and places the basket in the reeds. Maybe someone can help. Um, and the daughter of Paro uh, discovers him and decides to take care of him. Uh, his uh, sister, who's also not named here, although we know later on, uh, that uh, her name is Miriam, um, his uh, sister, seeing that it uh, that this foundling baby needs someone to nurse him, uh, goes uh, 
and fetches uh, Moshe's actual mother. So she's able to nurse him and care for him uh, under the protection of the daughter of Paro. Uh, the daughter of Paro names him. She names him uh, Moshe. Uh, and uh, that, that word comes from uh, the word in Hebrew that means to draw. She drew him out of the water. Uh, Moshe grows up in the palace, uh, but he, it's very clear that he knows that he's a Hebrew because he goes out to see his brethren, his brethren being uh, the children of Israel who are uh, enslaved. And uh, he intervenes when an Egyptian is very brutally beating a fellow uh, Israelite. So he, he strikes the Egyptian and uh, hides his body. Um, the next day, uh, Moshe intervenes between fighting Israelites. But the way they talk, uh, it's very clear that uh, somebody knows about the dead Egyptian. And so he needs to flee to, Midi uh, to flee from Egypt. And he flees and ends up in Midian. Uh, while he is there, um, he uh, marries the daughter of Yitro. Uh, her name, the daughter's name is Tsipora. These names are given. So Moshe's name is given. Um, his father-in-law Yitro is given and his wife Tsipora. And they have their first son, whose name is Gershom. We then come to the uh, third part of the parasha in which uh, Hashem chooses Moshe to redeem Israel. First, the king dies. And uh, when this happens, Israel cries out to Hashem. And it is their, their cry out to Hashem that seems to trigger the process that begins the uh, redemption. Moshe is uh, working for Yitro. He's working as a uh, as a shepherd, tending the flock of Yitro, his father-in-law. And when he is uh, very far out in the desert, he beholds a bush that is burning without being consumed. And um, when he comes closer, he hears the voice of Hashem talking to him. Hashem tells him to remove his shoes, and uh, Hashem talks to Moshe and says that I am going to redeem Israel and bring them back to their land, and I am sending you, that is Moshe, uh, to Paro uh, to redeem Israel. Uh, Moshe's basic response is, I am unworthy to do this. I'm incapable. Uh, Hashem says, you will see the nation will be brought and will worship me at this mountain. Therefore, it must be uh, Har Sinai, Mount Sinai. Moshe asks, what name uh, should I tell them when the people ask me, what is your name? And Hashem says, I will be what I will be. Uh, Hashem tells Moshe his mission. Uh, Gather the elders of Israel. Hashem has remembered you. Go before Paro and uh, say, let my people go. Let them come and worship uh, God at, in the desert. Uh, but God tells Moshe at the outset, Paro will refuse. He will not, uh, he will not accept. Uh, but ultimately, uh, Hashem says, I will bring plagues uh, to punish the Egyptians. And ultimately, uh, Egypt will, uh, 
will give in. And when the time comes, uh, you will ask the Egyptians for silver, for gold, for garments. We might call that reparations for the years of, uh, of, ser of, of servitude. Moshe's response, however, once again, is they will not believe me. Uh, the people will not believe me that uh, God has spoken to me. And so God gives Moshe a series of signs uh, that he can show uh, anyone who doesn't believe. First, uh, the staff that's in his hand is thrown to, to the ground and becomes a snake and then returns uh, back into a staff when Moshe picks it up. Second sign is his hand uh, becomes a white with uh, the disease called Tsarat when he puts his hand into his uh, garment and then returns to its normal uh, color when, uh, when he puts it back in and takes it out. And then the third sign, God says, is that if this doesn't uh, work, take some water from the Nile, spill it on the ground, and it will turn into blood. Again, Moshe insists, I'm not a man of words, and Hashem says, I will tell you what to say. Well, all you have to do is, uh, is say what I am telling you to say. You don't have to come up with the words on your own. And again, Moshe says, please send someone else. And at this, Hashem is angry because Moshe doesn't, uh, doesn't want to go, but he's not giving any more reasons. Hashem has dealt with all of his reasons. Uh, and so Hashem is angry and says, your brother Aaron will do the speaking. I will talk to you. Uh, you will tell Aaron, Aaron will do the speaking. And Hashem reminds him to take the staff with you. The fourth and final section of the uh, parasha is uh, how Moshe returns to Egypt and appears before Paro. First, Moshe leaves Midian uh, with the permission of his father-in-law. Uh, he uh, takes his family and he nearly dies at the inn because uh, some circumcision has not been done. Um, and so Tzipporah, uh, seeing that circumcision is the issue, circumcises their son, and this saves Moshe uh, from, the, uh, from the angel that has come to, uh, to kill him. Finally, they do meet. Aaron, uh, Moshe's older brother, joins Moshe, and then Moshe and Aaron tell the Israelites that the time of redemption has come, and they do the signs. And uh, at least at this point, the people uh, believe, they accept uh, the message that Hashem has sent uh, Moshe and that the time uh, has come for them to be uh, redeemed. And so Moshe and Aharon uh, come before, uh, before Paro, uh, saying that uh, Paro should release Israel to celebrate uh, with Hashem. And Paro uh, predictably says, who is Hashem? And when Moshe and Aharon say, well, it's the God of the Hebrews who has sent us, uh, Paro, uh, again, uh, as Hashem said, uh, Paro would not uh, accept. So Paro uh, rejects, and he actually increases the suffering of B'nai Yisrael. Uh, they have to produce a certain quota of bricks, uh, but they were provided up until this point with straw, which is necessary to make the bricks. From this point on, they still have to produce the same quota of bricks, but they will not be provided with straw. They'll have to go out and collect the straw themselves. Uh, people must find the straw. And uh, when uh, inevitably 
uh, they are unable to produce the same quota. So the uh, Israelite officers who are over the Israelite slaves are beaten by the Egyptian taskmasters who are over the Israelite officers. So we have three different tiers of the hierarchy. At the bottom of the uh, hierarchy pyramid uh, is uh, are the slaves. Uh, above them are the Israelite uh, officers whose job it is to make sure that the slaves do what they're supposed to do. And above them are Israel, are Egyptian taskmasters. Um, so when the slaves cannot produce what they're supposed to produce, uh, the Egyptian taskmasters beat the Israelite uh, officers. And then the officers complain before Paro uh, that this is difficult for them to do. And Paro says, it's only because you're lazy uh, that you're not uh, able to do what uh, I have uh, ordered you to do. And then uh, the officers complain to Moshe and Aharon. And then Moshe complains before Hashem. And Hashem concludes the parasha uh, by saying to Moshe, now you will see what I shall do to Paro. Uh, in other words, the situation has gotten even worse. Um, and uh, But Hashem uh, says, now that you've seen that the situation has uh, gotten to the point that uh, things are even worse than they were before. Hashem says, "Now you will see uh, how I will uh, how I will uh, redeem uh, Israel from uh, from Egypt, uh, and uh, that process will uh, will continue." But that will be in next week's parasha. Um, in the beginning of the parasha. Uh, we are told uh, once again about the names of the children of Israel. They're listed with, uh, with Yaakov, each uh, one coming with his household. Um, in the Ramban's uh, introduction to the book of uh, Shemot, um, he talks at great length about what makes the book of Shemot uh, distinct from the book of Breshit. And he says... Uh, Breshit is the book of creation, not only the creation of the universe, but even the creation of the Jewish people. Uh, that is the, the goal. And uh, once that is accomplished, uh, it is time to move on to a different book. Uh, that is to say, once the Jewish people are uh, established, um, Yaakov and the 12 Shvatim, the 12 tribes, that constitutes the uh, B'nai Yisrael, and they do go down to uh, Egypt. Uh, it's at that point that we must turn to the next topic, and therefore a new book uh, b begins. Uh, the book of uh, Shemot is uh, different uh, because, of course, it's talking about uh, the persecution in, in Egypt, slavery, and ultimately the redemption from there, uh, and uh, that's why, says the Ramban, uh, at the beginning of the book of Shemot, the Torah repeats uh, the names of the heads of these uh, tribes, even though it's been written before, um, because their descent uh, also is the beginning of their exile. Uh, now, uh, one, one of the issues uh, that the Ramban also deals with in his uh, introduction is... Uh, why does the book of Shemot include everything it does? Because uh, 
It's understandable that it should include the persecution, the slavery in Egypt, uh, the exile in Egypt, as well as the redemption from Egypt. But it also includes, uh, towards the end of the book of Shavuot, the building of the Mishkan. Why is that, the Ramban uh, seems to be asking, why is that included in the book of Shavuot? So the Ramban says that the, the exile brought the children of Israel to a very low place, not only in terms of physical work, but also spiritually. They were very, very distant uh, from their uh, from their. Uh, spiritual moorings, uh, and what the book of Shemot chronicles is how they return to that original state of closeness with uh, with Hashem. Uh, That original state of closeness with Hashem is not uh, accomplished until the Mishkan is uh, built, the the tabernacle is built. Uh, When they are redeemed from Egypt, uh, and then given the Torah, and given the basis of uh, Torah law, uh, that's certainly along the way, but it's only when the Mishkan is built and Hashem's presence enters the Mishkan that we can say that once again, the uh, Am Yisrael and Hashem are once again at the same level of closeness that they had been uh, before the exile uh, began. Uh, And that, says the Ramban, is the the quality, the character of the Book of Shemot. It's the Book of Redemption, but the Book of Redemption not only from uh, physical servitude, but also redemption from distance from God, uh, and that distance is overcome. And the Jewish people are reunited with Hashem at the end of the Book of Shemot with the building of the Mishkan. I thank you very much for joining me in this Uh, discussion and analysis of the beginning of the book of Shemot, uh, Parashat Shemot. This has been Rabbi Avraham Fisher for Parashat Highlights and Insights saying Shalom.